0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner.
0: This is episode number 362 live coaching with Heather as she figures out should I stay or should I go. Hello everybody, this is Sandy Weiner, and welcome to Last First Date Radio where we believe it is never too late to have the love you want and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and love. Today I'm really excited to be doing some live coaching. I've only done this I think once before with someone named Heather, and we're going to talk about how to know if you should stay or you should go. Heather was the winner of a contest that I ran, and I chose her out of all the contestants. I think this is a universal question, how to know if you should stay or you should go. So many of us waste a lot of time with the wrong person, and so many of us also leave the right person um, when we should spend a little more time with them. So it's it's sometimes hard to know. And so we're going to talk about um, Heather's particular situation and how all of you can apply this to your life. Every week, I bring you a tip on how to be a woman of value, and this week's tip is to be playful. And I find that p- play is something we forget about as we get older often. We forget to laugh. We forget to go and swing on a swing, um, you know, do something kind of goofy and silly. And I think it's super important to stay connected to that part of ourselves. It's, it's connected to our intuition, to our, our wisdom. And we often just become a talking head and we forget about the rest of ourselves. And so don't just live in your head. Don't just be intellectual about everything in life and overthink things Get out and play today. Do something that feels playful and connect back to that inner child. And before I get to Heather, I just wanted to let you know, if you're not yet a member of my Facebook group, please join us. It's called Your Last First Date. So many women have come to the group from this podcast. So join Your Last First Date. It is a place where you will get wise, compassionate, guidance on how to go on your last first date and it's for women over 40 so you have to be a woman to come in and um, you really benefit if you have an open mind and you're willing to really be open to learning how to date more effectively and be in relationship in a way that that really grows you as a person so now we are going to be coaching Heather welcome to the show Heather
1: Thank you so much, Sandy. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you here. So um, first of all, you said you had been listening to my and for over a year. What drew you to the podcast? I really, I like the woman of
1: value. Um, I like what that stands for. And I just think, you know, we, you're, you're taking, you know, women and you're putting them where they should be instead of where sometimes where we think that we are, where we lay, you know, where we, we kind of, you're elevating us, you're making us feel worthwhile when sometimes in daily life you don't feel like that, <laughs> even mm-hmm. though, we, you know, we're, we're working, we're, we're mostly moms and we're doing all of, we're doing so much and we don't take... Um, we don't really internalize all of that sometimes. Yeah. So I, yeah. I love I love what you stand for. I love the woman of value, and um, yeah, you're elevating. Thank you. Uh, elevating us.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we need to be elevated. Uh, we spend too much time putting ourselves down and not not thinking that we're enough. And so, I'm glad that resonated for you. And I, I think. We're going to find out some answers to some questions you have today. So you wrote in that you've been separated and divorced for six years. You've also been in therapy and working on yourself, but you still spent the last two years in a relationship that was on again, off again. And you want to know how to quickly find out if somebody's a match instead of spending a few years to find out. So tell us a little bit about how long have you actually been divorced? You said separated and divorced.
1: So, I have been divorced for, well, in about a month, it'll be three years. So, okay. coming upon three years of being divorced, yeah. So, three years separated, three years divorced.
0: Okay. And um, how long were you married?
1: I was married for, well, 18 years together and then married. So, dating, the whole thing, 18 years. Mm-hmm. Married 13 years, it.
0: Okay, and um, what are some of the what are some of the things that what like the things that you learned from your divorce or from your marriage that you're taking with you into the next relationship? I really
1: learned um, a lot about myself and how when we would, for instance, if we would have an argument. I felt like I had to win. And Mm -hmm. I think I was really controlling.
0: And
1: I could be very kind of harsh. And I really didn't step back from it and, and really felt like we could talk and communicate on that level. So a lot of things just got pushed under the rug. And even though we did get some counseling and we, we tried and we tried, um, we just couldn't come to that level. And I felt like I was just dying inside. I felt like if I don't get out of this, this is going to consume me and I'm just going to – I felt like I was going to stop breathing, you know. I was just being mm. suffocated. Um, so we, we weren't matched and uh, we weren't we, – Yeah. I can go back and I can tell you even when on our marriage, on the day we were getting married, you know, I had cold feet. I I really I did. And I wasn't one hundred percent sure this was what I wanted. So
0: Yeah. You
1: know? It
0: goes yeah. back that far. <laughs> yeah, and you're not alone. Uh, so many people know something in their gut, even the the day they're getting married, before they get married. And they still go through with it. And um, I'm in that camp, <laughs> so I can relate. Okay. <laughs> um, and and um, so that also tells me something about you not trusting your intuition on some level. Was there something, a fear of maybe I won't find the right person if I don't marry him? Like what was going on for you that made you go ahead with a marriage when something inside you said this, may not be the right person for me.
1: Well, I guess what happened is I met him at work, and we were working at the same small company, and there was something in me that was like, this isn't right, I want to break up, right? Um, but then I felt trapped. And I know this sounds crazy, it doesn't sound rational, but I felt trapped, and I was afraid, if I broke it off with of him, that I would lose my job, which I loved. Um, even though we were in different places in this organization, you know, it wouldn't we wouldn't we didn't affect each other. He was not my boss. Um, so I just felt kind of trapped there. And then not doing anything about it, time marches on, and then we end up buying a house together. And then we, you know, we were living together and then we bought a house together and then we decided to get married. And it just seems like progressively the next step. So I just feel like I went with it, but I was not 100% on board with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting the image of, of almost like, like a puppet, like you're being pulled into a, a life without really making a lot of conscious choices.
1: Right. And I think the conscious is a big part of that, too. I just kind of, I remember feeling like, okay, well, this is the next step, right? Um, after dating a couple of years, you buy a house. And then, mm-hmm. and then you get a dog. And, you know, it was just like progressively the next step, but not really being myself and being on myself and going and searching in my heart and going, is this really what you want?
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know? Yeah. So. Right.
0: Yeah. So you were kind of going along with the uh, with the picture, but not not really choosing what would make you feel alive.
1: Right. I mean, and I felt like he was, you know, he was a great guy, but there were red flags that I didn't, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I just I saw them and I let them go.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about the red flags because that's important to know what they were here. And then we'll talk about the more current relationship and we'll see if there's any patterns we can pick up. Okay. What were some of the red flags with your ex husband?
1: Red flags were we couldn't, even from day one, um, I don't feel like our souls connected he was he was not He was not abusive in any way. he was just very detached mm-hmm. and as time went on, um, he became more detached, mm-hmm. and we were kind of living parallel lives and let's see other red flags so. This is really kind of bizarre, Sandy, but I'm just going to put it out there because this is the truth, and sometimes it's hard to, like, realize the truth. He Mm. actually was gay. And Mm. so, but he said he was bi, but I know that he was, he was, I don't, I think I was the first experience that he had with a female. So he was really kind of a gay man, kind of playing around, and I really struggled with that. And that was probably the biggest red flag. Wow. And he loved me, <laughs> and I loved him. I mean. Mm-hmm.
0: But he, he was living a lie, and so were you, it sounds like.
1: Yes, exactly. And that is it. He was not true to himself through who he really was. He mm-hmm. wanted to kind of play house. And I right. felt like, you know, I loved him. He's a great guy. But then I'm kind of playing house. So out of right. that, we had two beautiful, lovely children but there was nothing there to connect us in the end, and you know now he has his partner. I mean, you know, and he's told me since that, oh Heather, I'm fully gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, of course yeah. you are because now you're true to do <laughs> that, are. right?
0: <laughs> so he's he's now released to live his life in the way that he needs to live it, and and you too. Yeah. Um, And let's let's just kind of connect the dots here for a minute and tell me who this man reminded you of from your childhood.
1: Who did he remind me of? Um, You know, he really did not remind me of my dad. If anything, I was trying to rebel against my dad um, and do the opposite, I feel.
0: So I don't know. Describe your father. Describe some of his – what was your relationship with him like?
1: My relationship with my dad was one where he has a good heart and he means well. But because of his background and not having a mother and not being nurtured, he doesn't know how to nurture her. Mm-hmm. Um, My dad is controlling. I would consider him possibly narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother tells me that she would not marry him if she had to do it all over again because she is controlled and dominated by him. hmm um, the memories I have of my dad, like him trying to help me with schoolwork, I it would always end up in tears. Whenever I would have a conversation with him, he would raise his voice and I would cry. And so not good, not
0: good. Yeah.
1: My sister yeah. has been estranged from my dad for probably 15 years, not longer. Mm. So, Yeah. So, I mean, I have all this compassion for him, and I love him because he's my father, but when it comes to raising children, <laughs> he, you know, he never worked on himself. I mean, we, I think we went to therapy once with a family, and the therapist said that my dad was a problem, and he was like, yep, not going to therapy again, done with that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's, what I'm hearing are a couple things. Um, with your ex-husband and your father, you did not feel seen, or understood
1: mm-hmm. right, right, so
0: there's some parallels there um there also are some parallels with with um the detachment I mean somebody who's controlling is detached, your ex was detached in a different way, but you didn't you weren't fully embraced, and it's interesting also that your mother wouldn't wouldn't have married him today. And you wouldn't have married your husband today either. So it's, you chose a partner who was not really available to you as your father was not available to you either.
1: Right. That makes sense.
0: So, they, so people show up in ways that are not exactly the same as a, as a family of origin member, but often when we can connect the dots back, we can see that subconsciously we're trying to heal the relationship with the parent we had the most difficulty with. And so our downloaded family blueprint is very strong. Whether we are conscious of it or not, we keep dating the same person with a different face, and we can't see it because we're too close to it. And so Mm -hmm. here's this man who he's not not really available, and there's some safety in that. You know, your heart's not going to get broken when you marry somebody who's not your passionate soulmate. So there may have been some self-protection in there, too. I'm wondering if any of that feels true.
1: That could be, yes. There could be self-protection there. Um, You know, and that's not something that I've really thought about before. But, yes, I would agree with you.
0: Yeah. I mean, when we fully love full out, when we pick somebody who's really who sees our soul, you know. Um, I'm not sure, I don't love the word soulmate, but I do like the fact that somebody can sort of see into our soul, and we can see into theirs, and we feel this deep, deep connection. It's really scary, and it's also incredibly soul-satisfying. I mean, it's gratifying. It it expands you into the best version of who you are. And so many of us make these safer choices that are really not safe at all because it's painful to be with the wrong partner, but it also means that we can leave and we can move on. And Mm -hmm. um, so that's like, you know, self-protecting, which is where, you know, when I go back to the controlling, your response to him being distant was to try and control and to win. And so to Mm -hmm. me that that Mm -hmm. also represents, you know, like with your father, he was controlling you and so here you are trying to win trying to control trying to get back control and in a in a healthy relationship you don't you don't have to win nobody wins actually the relationship wins when when there's a conflict you're fighting for the relationship you're not fighting to be right you're fighting to save the relationship and in the wrong relationship you're fighting to be seen to be heard to be validated and it's really a struggle and what I what I also heard you say in the beginning when I asked you to describe um, the lessons learned the first place you went was about you. I learned that I was controlling I learned that I had to win I learned that I was harsh I learned that I pushed things under the rug It was taking full responsibility for all these things which is great that you're responsible and it's also you know I heard you also making excuses for his behavior, for your father's behavior. Your father was brave this way, <laughs> you know, this guy. So it's what I, I just want to want you to notice um, when you're putting yourself down or when you're making excuses for bad behavior, just to kind of stop and and notice that there's no excuse for bad behavior. There is, you know, yes, you can have compassion for somebody who – who is the way they are because of how they were brought up. But we also get to make choices as adults, as you're doing right now, to be different, to show up differently, no matter where we came from. Right?
1: Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. yeah, How did that feel?
1: Thank you. it It felt like a release. It felt really good. To hear you say that, and it felt really good to um to think that I don't have to make excuses because I think that's what I've been doing my entire life um, and to draw the distinction between compassion and making an excuse, I think there's a lot right there that I could probably work with
0: yeah to figure
1: out what's an excuse and what's you know just being compassionate and I think that little piece right there, Sandy, has everything to do with this relationship that I was in and out of for the last two mm. years. But I had such a hard time leaving because he was so much like my father. And that struggle of, wow, he had a really bad upbringing and he has really bad behavior. And I would do something to break his behavior because I know that, you know, I have power. And I know if I say, hey, I'm drawing my boundary, and that what you're doing isn't acceptable. You're going to have to leave. That really made some changes in that that relationship that I had with him. But that relationship as a whole I know was not good for me. But Mm -hmm. that's where I came to that question of, wow, how do you – how do you – talk to someone, you know, date them, and kind of is there a way you can tell, you know, after, I don't know, maybe three dates, maybe that's too many, maybe you can tell sooner whether or not you think that person going to have those qualities that you're looking for or have,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, have done some of their work so they feel whole enough to move forward. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, so it sounds like there's a distinction that's a little fuzzy between what is a maybe something that you can excuse and what's something that's inexcusable?: Yes and And what else I wanted to to bring up is something I've noticed about you is is that you're an extremely kind and empathic person. And when you have kindness and compassion for others, sometimes you keep excusing the wrong things. And so it's, it's your superpower to be kind, but it's also something you have to guard and not let everybody in. You have to let people earn your stories, earn your love by them showing up first before you start to give. And so I want to just put that out there. As a, as a woman of value, it's, when you value yourself more you realize that you're the prize you're the treasure and he's a treasure too possibly we have to find that out <laughs> we have to find out if he's worthy right so in in trying to figure that out you you have to know the difference between a behavior that's annoying and a character flaw so the red the red flags are the character flaws and um, so what you do is you, you really identify what are your must-haves and what are your deal-breakers, and most people don't get that right. So I'm going to walk you through a little exercise on that. And um, so you ready?
1: Yes, yeah, I'm ready. Okay.
0: So I want you, Heather, to think about how, how do you want to feel when you're with your right fit partner, with the right guy?
1: feel happy I, I want to feel heard I mm-hmm. want to feel equal like equal partners and I really want to feel like we're on the same team
0: Mhm. okay all right so now let's go through who does he have to be for you to be happy
1: who does he have to be
0: um, mm-hmm. What kind of traits be, does he have to have?
1: Well, he should be happy as well um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and trustworthy and kind and communicative and uh, honorable, you know, true to his word.
0: hmm
1: supportive
0: okay these are great so for you to be happy with him he has to be happy himself trustworthy kind communicative honorable and supportive Um, and I'm imagining for you to feel heard the communicative a lot of these things are probably also true is there anything else that he needs to be for you to feel heard
1: Understanding. Sorry, I'm kind what kind of, of
0: intelligence? <laughs> I mean, so intelligent is it's a broad term.
1: Emotionally intelligent.
0: Yeah, okay. And, and for you to I feel that, that someone... you're... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, Just, tell coming.
1: That good, you know how you can sit with someone and you can kind of feel their energy in a way. You can feel, mm-hmm. wow, this person really has, you know, they're not an, they're not an like an energy vampire, someone that's taking from you, but somebody that's adding to you. Mm-hmm. Like I love what you said before about, um, you know, a person that makes you want to be your best version of yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so he's adding to your life, not taking away. And he's emotionally intelligent and he's very understanding. And for the last one, uh, for you to feel that you're equal and on the same team, who does he need to be?
1: Um, Gosh, why am I drawing a blank? He needs (laughs) to be. easy to talk to. Yeah. He needs to be um, transparent.
0: Mm hmm
1: He needs to be... um... Okay. Is that good?
0: (laughs) Sorry. No, that's okay. You know, what's coming up for me is that he would need to also be um, someone who doesn't get defensive. Um, He's able to talk things out. So, you know, this communication piece has come up a couple times. And so I'm going to read back what I took notes on. He has to be transparent, emotionally intelligent, understanding, happy, trustworthy, kind, communicative, honorable, and supportive. Um, And so what I'd like you to do is to, kind of narrow this list down even more um, after, this, after this session and to really hone in on the maybe five things. The, some of these will be all-encompassing. So maybe good communicator could, could be the umbrella around transparency and emotional intelligence and understanding. And happy could be, um, you know, just kind, happy. You know, you could combine a couple. So now let's talk about the last guy you were with. When you look, when you listen to this list, did he have all of these qualities? No,
1: he did not. He did not.
0: Did he have any of these qualities? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, he had a few of these qualities, um, but you know. This is so interesting because now I'm seeing what you were saying about my kindness and my empathy and not giving that away because that's what I did. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I did, Sandy. Um, yeah. He was not a good communicator. And so I feel like I really struggled with trying to draw him out and have him talk to me. And, um, and I know our attachment styles were completely different. Yeah. He was, um, yeah. He wouldn't, he wouldn't reach out, mm-hmm. and I would have to kind of draw him out. And wow, he he was, yeah. He was, he sucked my energy. He really did. It was
0: yeah. So those are the red flags. Trouble. The red flags. Yeah, the energy okay. vampire. The fact that you feel you're with somebody that is an avoidant, somebody who avoids being engaged emotionally, those are the big red flags that you will see very quickly. That shows up pretty quickly, like somebody who is an intermittent texter and doesn't really stay in touch between dates and somebody who's not escalating the relationship Um, somebody who when you bring up intimate topics is not really going to go there or somebody who gets defensive when you have an argument, Um, you're going to start seeing signs of that. And the most important thing is that you guard your love, Um, not to shut yourself down, but to not give it away. Um, to let to really rule somebody in by watching to see if they have these qualities to see if they deserve your stories even to to hear to hear the the deeper stuff about you, people have to earn that you know you don 't just give it away, and so noticing that you know you tend to keep picking partners who are similar, who in some way are incapable of giving you what you want, the more you show up in your life fully, as more fully expressed, as less, you know, being the excusing bad behaviors, people pleasing, whatever it is, morphing into something you're not in order to accommodate, the more you're going to be repulsed by this type of person. It's going to happen over time. So my my homework for you is to notice where you're giving away before somebody really shows you that they deserve your stories, that they deserve your love. Lean back. Lean back and observe. Observe behaviors. Don't go, like if a guy lives a distance from you, don't be getting in your car and driving to him first. See if he'll come to you. You know, see if a guy will do what you want to do. But you have to also ask for it. You have to let men know what makes you happy and see if they can provide that for you.
1: Okay. And I think that knowing what makes me happy, I think that is part of drawing my boundaries, correct? And that is something that I can make a list and I need to stay true to. And I think that for me and my personality and upbringing and the whole thing, I think I have a hard time, like, kind of knowing what I want and figuring out what I want when I feel like I give so much away. Does that make sense? Mm
0: -hmm. You give so much away, and you're so used to not getting what you want that, you know, again, when you make the excuses for behavior that's not okay. You know the process is well. That's not that bad. Oh, I can, I can, I can be accommodating. It's okay. You know, you're so used to accommodating. You you lived in that space for so many years, 18 years, same guy, where you weren't fulfilled, and so you're flexible. You know, so what what I want you to do is not not lose flexibility, but don't be flexible about the things that matter most. We have to preserve the core essence of who we are and never give those things up for anybody. That's where you draw your boundaries and you say, you know what, this is really important to me. So before you said, and we're going to wrap in a second, but before you mentioned like when you set boundaries with the last guy and you said, or you're going to have to leave, I would flip that around and say, I'm going to have to leave. You take responsibility for what you're going to do. And that gives you back the control that you didn't have in your life You know, it's, it's the good kind of control I can control my emotions I can control preserving the things that matter to me And if a person's not going to be emotionally available You call them on it and say You know what, it doesn't look like we both want the same kind of relationship I'm really looking for somebody who's emotionally available right now For a long-term relationship And if that's not what you can do right now That's okay, but I'm going to go You're taking back the control. It's very kind. It's not an ultimatum, but that's a practice. I mean, this is something I've spent like 14 years working on, so um, I don't expect you to do this overnight, but it is really, really crucial, and this is why coaching works so well for people is because it's hard for us to do this on our own. It's hard for us to see what are the most important values for us, you know, what are things that are deal breakers for us or what are things we can be more flexible on? So getting those lists for what makes you happy, what would, what would make you happy for yourself, what would make you happy in a relationship, how can a man make you happy? And then you look for those things. And then it becomes like a checklist and you look back and, you know, am I having fun? Fun is important to me. Oh, I'm not having fun at all. I'm not laughing. I don't think this is the right guy. Okay, bye-bye next right
1: Right? Right. okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so so let's begin you know here and not take on the entire you know the entire process at once but begin with honing down the list and and really noticing where you're giving away too much at at first and lean back and see how a man is going to show up and let let him invest in the relationship before you do All right, so Heather, I would love to hear your takeaway from today's live coaching.
1: Well, I think you've really opened up my eyes um, to some, some things that and shown light on things that I probably did not realize before. It's um, making the excuses versus compassion and um, making a list and sticking with it and You've offered me some wonderful things, wonderful tools, Sandy. Mm.
0: Um,
1: so I'm I'm really excited about that. And Yay. I think, <laughs> yeah, I've got um, some dates coming up, and so I'll have some people to practice on. <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> practice dates, and the, and this is an important thing because a lot of people feel like, oh my God, I have to go back and do another you know year of therapy and a year of coaching, and I'm not ready and and I have to be all ready before I can go back out there again. And the best the best way to learn is to get out there and date, because every date is going to teach you so much more than staying in your head and just thinking about it some more and having some more insights. So go out and practice, you know, debrief every date, see what you're learning, and and just keep applying how what you're proud of, that you're doing, what you can do better what you liked about the guy, what you didn't like about him. Start picking up on the red flags and the green flags from the very first start, the first date, first phone call. Okay? okay. You're going to be a red flag okay. detector. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that sounds good. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Heather, for being willing to open up for us here. I know it's it takes a certain amount of courage and vulnerability, and I appreciate how open you are And I love that you're willing to really do the work and find the match that you deserve.
1: Well, thank you so much for your expertise and your insight, and I love how you just honed on to these things that I need to work on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that was amazing. So thank you so
0: much. My pleasure. And if anybody actually wants to do a breakthrough session with me at no cost, um, we do about a half an hour Something similar to what I did with Heather to really find out what are the key issues. You can go to lastfirstdate.com forward slash breakthrough and set up a time to talk. And I would love to find out if, if I can help you. Um, it's, we all deserve to have the support we need. It's really hard to do this alone. And don't forget to join my Facebook group, Your Last First Date. And I hope that you all go on Your Last First Date very soon. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the show. Go on iTunes or wherever you follow this show. Um, We're on pretty much every platform. And please subscribe, rate, review. This really helps our show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye.